Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and today we got a really good podcast for you. And I'm just going to apologize up front. I have been slacking for the last month and a half. I have taken, I've been really selfish, and I've taken time just for me. For the last three years, we've been running this podcast, and I, I felt like I just wanted a break from it just for a minute, just to retool, rethink, and really start to dig deep. And the truth is, I've just been involved with a lot of my properties. In that, though, I'm telling you, I have got such good, good content coming up. And today's going to be one of those episodes where we're going to share a lot of content that's going to be usually the best podcasts I think I do are the ones where I talk about my pain, the things that I've been dealing with or that you will eventually deal with one day in your life as you're an operator. And so I think these are not big things, but like these are just things that you've got to understand and know and track. And no matter how well you do, these are the things that can potentially go wrong on your property. So we're going to talk today about lender draws, what you should know, what you should know about when you get money from a lender, how that's going to work and how you're going to get it back to work on your property. And I also want to talk about, I'm going to call it when rehab gets messy right? Some of the things that as you're doing lots of rehab projects or construction management projects, things that you should look out for and pay attention to. So, but before we do that, a word from our sponsors. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. All right, we're back. Now, also, I know I said I did my last Kahuna boardroom event last March, that that was going to be the last one ever. I lied. (laughs) I did. Well, I meant it when I said it, but here's the thing. I've had so many people reach out and say, dude, are you going to do another boardroom? Are you going to do another boardroom? And... What we did this last time was we actually increased it, made it a little bit bigger. We doubled the size from 30 people to 60. And 60 really is the right number. It's the right amount of people to bring into that group where I can give them a lot of attention and it still has the ability to be big, right? Or you make lots of connections. And so we had such a success on that event and I enjoyed it. I forgot how much I enjoyed teaching and coaching. So we are going to do it again. We don't have it all set up yet, but we are working by probably the end of September. We will have dates and I'll be able to, to sell tickets to that event. It's going to be probably in March is when we're going to have the event. We're going to actually going to do it two times a year. I've made up my mind. I do want to do that event twice a year instead of just once. But we got some extra support from my good buddy, Mike Hambright. He's going to help me promote it and just do all the things that I don't really like to do with running events. So that's a big win. So if you're listening, when that goes out, you're going to want to jump on it because it always, always, always sells out. And we've priced it right. We've learned and we figured out how to price this thing to where it's, you get so much value for your money, it's stupid. So anyways, don't want to talk about that anymore, but just know that's coming and it's in the works. And I'm excited about it. I really am. I sometimes forget. I do all these things and then you realize 
how much impact it has. I'm seeing all my students do deals and get into deals. And what a great time in the economy right now to be going into the multifamily space. So anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for paying attention. And thank you for being a awesome part of our community. So, all right, let's just jump into it. So first of all, I want to talk about what I think lender draws and what that is. I'm going to set it up a little bit and I'm going to talk about some things that can go janky, right? And so normally if you're going to get a, some type of bridge loan or sometimes the Freddie and Fannie, but mainly not, mainly it's usually bridge money where they're going to give you a good percentage of 70, 75, 80% of your CapEx, the bank will fund. And sometimes it's like a hundred percent and that is a really good thing. You're going to go borrow money at four or 5% where you would normally, if you raise it as equity, that could be 12 to 18%. Well, there's a huge difference and huge Delta in the two, but here's where the rubber meets the road. So I'm going to give you guys, I'm just going to lay off some of these things that I think of what can potentially go wrong or what you should make sure that you do. So if you're going to be raising, let's say, let's say you're got a deal where it's about a million, million and a half of CapEx, capital improvement money. And, or maybe it's $2 million and the bank will give you $1.5 million of monies. Okay. They're not going to give it to you, by the way, they're going to hold it in escrow or what you want to make sure that you do is that you're not going to pay interest on that money that they've not actually physically lend out. So make sure that it is in your documents. I've seen it where a lot of people are like, hey, we're going to give you this money, but they don't really give it to you. Then it just sits in escrow and they're charging you for it. And so that's not something you want to do. And how do you make sure that it doesn't happen? It's in your term sheets, right? So pay attention to your loan term sheets and make sure that you don't pay for that money that you're not using. Okay. That's a big one. Number two, man, make sure when you're doing these types of loans that you understand exactly what the draw process looks like. Because every lender, I'm telling you, every lender says, oh yeah, we, our process is easy. It's smooth. I promise you it's not. I promise you it's not. It is complicated and it's got to be detailed and they're not huge big things, but they can be. So I'll give you an example. We got a property in Tucson. We got like a $900,000 CapEx budget for it, 100% funded. And so we're starting doing the repairs. And dude, they want almost what I would almost call a receipt for like every unit. They want to know where everything went, every unit that's been touched. And sometimes when you're using bulk vendors, they're like, hey, here's a bulk thing. It's not tied to each unit exactly. It's tied for just a, it's a bulk order of stuff and man it gets janky and so they're trying to tie it to a unit we're trying to figure out if that's how it works and meanwhile it's delaying it's delaying it's delaying the repayment of that money and this is where you can get into hot water is let's say this goes to rule number three so that's rule number two right so number three make sure you have enough capex reserves in real cash Meaning, if you're going to get $900,000 million, $1.5 million in CapEx money, you need to have at least a half a million dollars of true working capital. And so it's kind of like an oxymoron. You're like, well, I'm going to bring in 1.5. Sometimes you almost want to make the argument, maybe I should just get all the money from my investors. And sometimes it's not probably a bad idea, but ultimately it's cheaper to get it through the bank. So I will agree with that, but you still have to have a good amount of money in CapEx reserves, meaning in cash, 
because you're going to go spend that money and then you're going to go back to the lender and the lender is going to give it back to you. But here's what's happening. What used to be 30 days, if the lender comes back with questions and then all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 now we need to inspect the property. So we got to send somebody. All of a sudden that guy gets sick, he gets late, he has to reschedule. And now what was a 30-day process turnaround turns into a 60 and even maybe a 90. Ask me how I know this, right? Because I think I had all three of those situations happen. Where like the guy that was inspecting actually almost felt like had a heart attack at the property. Then they had to reschedule it and it was just a pain in the butt. But you're still spending and doing rehab. So every month you're kind of like, all right, wow. You all of a sudden you feel like you're getting a little lean. And then all of a sudden draw one comes, but you really need to process draw two and draw three just to get caught up. So those are real things. I mean, like there's nothing more frustrating than when you don't get that money coming consistently, consistently, consistent lender draws. So that would be some of the questions. So what would I ask the lender? Hey, so what exactly is your process? Do you require an inspection, right? Can I change the budget? So a lot of times they'll ask you for a budget. Remember, when they're asking you for a budget, you want to be very detailed. The more detailed you are, because they're going to take that and they're going to kind of make it into a legal document saying, hey, you've got blank money for paint. You got blank money for fixtures. You got blank money for appliances. And when you run out of that money for that issue, that's, you know, paint and you overspent on paint, you don't get any more money for paint. They just don't do it, right? So you need to ask, well, sometimes they will, but you got to ask, are those items flexible? Or if you did it for cheaper, can you then take and repurpose those dollars? Ask me how I know, right? So here's a great example where like we did a project where it was just like paint the buildings, but we got the painter to include the carports and three or four other items that were on kind of our detailed CapEx thing. But the invoice didn't say it that way. It just said paint for the exterior building. But we did all these things. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. And so the blender's like, hey, what about the carports? And so we had to go back and say, no, we've already paid those. And then there's money sitting to get allocated. But they're like, well, we've not verified that. We've not checked it off our list. So we have to wait till the next lender comes do an inspection on the next lender draw to then go ahead and get those items checked off so we can reallocate that money. I mean, these are the struggles. These struggles are real. So even though they want to give you the money, they really have very finite ways and rules. And so the more questions you can ask directly before you get started of what that CapEx process looks like, you will get, I think you're going to be in a lot better position. And we did ask those questions, but I swear, man, it's like they change or like, they don't tell you the whole truth. And then once they get into it, oh, well, servicing handles that. There was one CapEx that we're doing that requires the lender, you have to go back to the title company and they have to write off a thing to basically identify, not identify, but to add on, secure that additional money to the note. And so 
that requires something from title. And then all of a sudden, the title is running us two or three weeks behind. And oh man, it's lots of things after another. So these are the things that I've learned. And I just want to share those to you. A lot of my biggest lessons come from the pain that I have to discover and find out. And it's not like we've not done rehabs, but we've been doing now multiple seven-figure rehabs, one to $2 million per property. We're really getting detailed in. So now that we're highly in that process, you start seeing some of the cracks. You're seeing like, why is this like this? Some lenders, or why are some lenders easier than other lenders? And then you start really figuring out like, okay, well, if I've got another project, I really want to use this lender instead of that lender because of the CapEx process. And just understand that CapEx can be one of those things that you just got to be mindful of it. Even though the lender is going to give you all that money, you got to make sure you have plenty of money and backup and that you can carry. So that's kind of my lender piece of that. The next thing I really want to talk about is when rehabs get messy. And what I find is this, when you're doing some of your bigger projects, like say, I, I'm going to do roofs, I'm going to paint, I'm going to do landscaping, I'm going to trim all the bushes, I'm going to mow everything, right? I'm going to replace my signs. All those big ticket items are normally done by contractors, outside third-party contractors. And that's just a matter of getting best bids, getting them to you, and then they run and do those projects. Those are usually, I would call, fairly simple issues, right? Where I find the weeds, where you get caught in the weeds, or where things go Kathy Wampus on you, is in the turns, then in the unit by unit turning of the property. And I think we've done, we've been doing a lot of them in every property always has some t it's timing issues it's really you have to be on it so much to working with your and it's usually your painter your carpet person and right now those trades are getting delayed and so they delay everything else so getting your carpet contractor in line making sure that they want to use you like you're their preferred vendor communication i think is more important than ever. So we do a weekly meeting on our CapEx. We track each property, whether the punch, the carpet, the paint, the trash out, we kind of have categories or like kind of a flow chart and it's either yes or no, or when is the completion date? And you have to do it that way because if you don't start tracking all the main items that get done, final punch, right? You're going to get lost. You're gonna get lost real quick and your team's gonna not know what's going on. And so who usually runs those types of projects? Usually your construction manager. We have a really good construction manager, third-party construction manager. I would recommend, I think probably within the next year, we're gonna bring that in-house. Why? It's just because we want more control, right? It's really about controlling the product, controlling the process. So we'll probably bring that in at the end of 2000 and or middle of 2023, we'll probably bring that in-house. Right now it's third-party. It works pretty well, but it's usually at the property level where you start having disconnects. And one, if the manager is not actively talking to your team, to everybody that's doing the work and letting know everybody what's up and they're pre-leasing, you can get behind real quick. So you just got to really work really hard on the communication of where we're at in units, what's coming up, what's being evicted, what units are you gonna keep, what units are you gonna rehab, and what units just go back to like renewals, right? Or it's a quick turn, like we're not gonna mix or fix it up. That one we're just gonna do a normal turn and not a rehabbed turn. So those things, like communication is the number one thing, and you've gotta do it weekly, sometimes bi-weekly. 
And then you got to have a construction manager that's going on site, holding your vendors accountable. And really just, it is a multi-tiered effort to make sure that your rehabs are going well. When you get that fine-tuned, you can take five to six units every month, you can rehab them, you can get them back to rent ready, and you do that consistently, and you get a little bit of a flow. You get a little bit of rhythm, everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing, and it works pretty well, but then it's still staffing the people. So if one of those persons break down or the contractor breaks down, and the way we normally do it too, we're also trying to save money at the time. We're not trying to hire Joe Contractor, big name contractor, we're trying to find Joe with the hammer right? The guy that's actually doing the work. And so those people sometimes are not as reliable. Usually want to pick a vendor that can carry the job for 30 days, net 30. If you're not doing net 30, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Now we've done not net 30 with some of our vendors and contractors, and that's, it is a huge colossal project to do it that way. But we save enough money that it makes sense. But still, it's hard to pay every week or every two weeks to these vendors. So you do want to find, sometimes a medium-sized vendor isn't worth its weight in gold. But also, if you can find the guy that swings the hammer and he's good and he's efficient and he does work, man, find that guy too. Because you need them all. You really need them all. Other than that, I think my thoughts is I've been thinking about the rehab process that we've been going through. We've got like four active projects, $2 million budgets piece, and we've been doing lots of rehab, lots of big ticket items, and then now, in, now we're into unit turns and that's where I'm seeing the minutia and really the extra part of communication. We didn't have it in the beginning. We have now bolted on by weekly meeting or weekly meetings, sometimes twice a week, just making sure everybody is on line and on point and knows what's coming. The more we communicate, the better we are and the more efficient we are and turning those units, getting those units ready and performing at the property. So anyways, this is a little bit of a short one. I wanted to go over some of the things that I feel like you will need to know. Like you just really need to ask those questions on the front end of if you're going to get money from a lender, what his draw process is. Make sure your team's dialed in, communicate, over communicate, set expectations, go visit your properties, inspect what you expect, and then just hold everybody accountable to the system. And when you do that, usually good things happen and will become of those results. So guys, I'm hopefully you're living your best life. I know I am. I'm getting ready to spend or send my 20th year of marriage with my wife going to Hawaii, my favorite island, Kauai. Actually, we're going to Oahu this time. We're going to go to Oahu. We're staying at Waikiki, Moana Surfrider. Great hotel. Listen, I want you guys to live your best life and have your paradise. And because it is possible, I'm telling you, it all starts with a dream and a belief. Right? If you think it and manifest it in your mind and you meditate on it daily and you do the work, good things will come to you. Guys, if you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible. Mm-hmm.